doing today and for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the values of this church and what we value or what we should value. Um, we'll be covering those here in this auditorium. There's a list of them there. There's no hierarchy to this. It's just these are the things that we value or that we want to value. When I talk about values, it's just, it's, um, it's how we spend our energy, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our, what we focus on. For instance, you could say that my, my family means a whole lot. I love my family. They're vitally important. But what does your action show? If you're never with them, if you never have supper together, if you never are spending time together, I'm glad you love them, but I'm not sure how you value them. And so that's what we're kind of working at today on this. I'll be covering two of these today. There's 10 of these. I'll be covering two today. In different weeks, we'll be covering one at a time, but today we'll be covering uh, two of them. I hope in our personal lives, we value prayer. But if you never pray, you don't really value it that much. I hope you, you value the word. But if you never read it or open the word or touch the word of God, I, again, you get what I'm saying here. You can't say I truly value that if, you don't, if there's not some action to that. And so we're going to go through these. And this is the sanctuary particularly, what we think and what we believe. And we've, we've developed these. We've prayed about these. We've thought through these. Again, no particular order. We're going to go through those first two today. The first one I want to look at today is that we are a spirit-filled apostolic church. Um, let's even break that down a little bit. When we say we're an apostolic church, we mean that we believe the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2.42 says it like this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. We look at what the apostles taught, we look at what they believed, and that's what we want to teach and believe. We believe that is based on the Word of God. For instance, every time you find someone being baptized in the book of Acts, they are all baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus every single time. I remember I had an uncle, he, 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 was, he was my dad's uncle, so he's my great uncle, but he was, uh, he was this man, a coworker of his, he was talking to him and he finally just told him, he said, I want you to go home this weekend. And he said, if you find in the word of God a place where someone was baptized any other way but in Jesus' name, I'll give you, and he may name some number, it doesn't matter, I'll give you $50,000. And this guy was just like, oh, you're in for it. Now you're going to, he just went out and boy, he searched and he searched and he searched and he searched some more. And then he came back and he said, I cannot find one place in the Bible where anybody was baptized in any other name. That's why in this church, we baptize in Jesus' name. Why? Because that's how they did it in the word of God. We are following the apostles' doctrine. That's what we're doing. And so when you find people being filled with the Spirit, it either says that they spoke with tongues or it alludes to the fact that something physically happened that everybody in their presence knew that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Many times it says, we saw them speak with tongues. We saw that we, we heard them with our own ears, saw them with our own eyes. And based on what many times the Bible says, 
How many times the Bible says they spoke with tongues based on that James talks about if you can control the tongue, you have control of the whole body based on the people that were the eyewitnesses there that said we saw them, we we knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost. We can safely and comfortably believe every time someone received the Holy Ghost, the initial evidence was speaking in other tongues. That's what the Word says. That's what we want to teach in this church. It's what the apostles believed. This is exactly what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. You know it well, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 39, for the promises unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We preach that. We teach that, we believe that, and thank God we experience that here today, even in, in, in 2023. The apostles, they talk about miracle signs and wonders. We believe in miracle signs and wonders in this church. The apostles talk about the fivefold ministry. We absolutely believe in apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. We believe in the fivefold ministry. The Bible talks about and the apostles talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, word of prophecy. We believe in all of those things. Why? Because the apostles did. And that's what the Word of God says and that's what we want to believe. I say this often in, in, a, in the levels classes and different times probably from this pulpit. It really matters little what you post on the outside of your building. You can be called the first church of the green grass. I don't care what you call yourself. It what happens inside the building makes all the difference in the world. What are you teaching inside the building? If you're not teaching the word of God, what are you doing? We must teach the Word of God. We must believe the Word of God. And that is one of the things that we believe we are an apostolic church because we teach and believe what the apostles did. Bottom line, if we find it in the Word of God, if we find it in the New Testament church, we want to be completely apostolic. We want to do in 2022, 2023, whatever year we're in, at the sanctuary, what they did in the book of Acts. That's what we want to do. So again, I, I've said it and hear me out when I say this, when I say we are unapologetically apostolic. What I mean by that is we're not trying to, well, if you're not apostolic, you're an idiot. We're not doing that. We're not trying to offend. We're not trying to hurt. We're not trying to upset. But this is an apostolic church. And we're going to act and believe what the word teaches, what the apostles believed and taught. I, I've never seen someone go to McDonald's Go to the counter and order a top sirloin, medium well, baked potato, a load of baked potato, and, and then get mad because they don't offer that there. They don't offer that at McDonald's. You know when you go to McDonald's, you're going to get, I guess it's food. You're going to get food at McDonald's is what you're going to get. Um, whatever you order there, that's, there, there's a menu. That's all you're going to get. And so there are things we don't offer at this church. We are an apostolic church. For instance, we don't offer ways for you to feel good about your sin and feel fine living in it. We preach, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We preach and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
We preach buried with him in baptism and rise to walk in newness of life. We preach if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We preach as Ephesians 4.25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking to be put away from you with all malice. In verse 32, and be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Last verses here, Galatians 3, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So that means there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are, are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Again, I could go on and on throughout the word of God to tell you all this stuff and you understand we are going to believe and follow what the apostles taught and believe. That's why we don't believe in racism. We don't believe in being prejudiced. We don't believe in all of these hierarchy of things. We are one at the foot of the cross. We are a body of Christ. We believe those things because that's what the word of God teaches. That's what the apostles taught and therefore that's what we want to believe in this church. We don't want to go just through life and go through motions and go through a church service. We want God to be here. So we're an apostolic church, but we are an apostolic spirit-filled, or I should say those backwards, the spirit, a spirit-filled apostolic church, which then, again, is very, very important to us personally, but also to this church. It's what we value. Genesis 1-2 says... And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God is the picture of, of this Spirit that was just hovering over the earth. But when God started to move, when He started to speak, when He started to, uh, to uh, well, when He started to speak and move, things began to happen. God's miraculous power and, and things happened from his voice and things were created. Things happened, things moved, and we invite that to happen in these services. There would be, I would dare say, some places and some even we could call them churches that do not want the spirit of God to move. <clears throat> I have been in churches that if the Spirit of God starts to move too much, they'll change something. They'll go, they'll do something else. And they'll, you know, if the Spirit of God starts to get too deep, we call it, and maybe conviction or something, they'll change something. Why? Because they don't want that in their midst. Ladies and gentlemen, we want that here at the sanctuary. We value the Spirit of God being present in this place. You know me as well, uh, that, that, that know me, you know me well. I like things to run in decency and in order. I don't like dead time. I don't like all this stuff. But we have to balance this out to where we have a program, absolutely, the front and the back. We know what's coming next. We know what songs are singing. They have practiced those. I think we need to do everything we do with excellence and as unto the Lord. But that does not negate the Spirit of God moving in this church. If something breaks out and we feel the Spirit moving over here and I don't preach today, that's just fine. We'll go with the Spirit of the Lord. That's what we want. We want Him to move in our midst. 
We are an apostolic, spirit-filled church because he can do in a second what we cannot do in a lifetime or we could ever do. The Spirit of God moves and we invite that. John 6, 63 says it like this. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is what we want in our church. We should do all we do, again, as unto the Lord, but never pushing out that the Spirit of God is, is not is not uh, recognized here or is not welcomed here in any way. Again, let me rehearse this one more time because I want us to understand this. If we had, if we knew, if we knew the governor of Missouri was gonna be in our service today, I promise we would make sure that everybody knew what song they were singing and everybody knew what key it was in. And everybody would be in place at the right time. Why? Because we don't want to. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. We, don't, because the governor's here, and we we honor him, the position of the government. So this is my thought on that. How much more? Jesus is here. Is he not worthy of the best we can do? And so that's why, again, I, I, people, well, we just have order and programs and professionality and all that. No, I'm not saying we do it as unto the Lord because he's worthy of that. But hear me out. I'll take anointing over talent any day of the week. But I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. There are some of you who will never sing on this platform. Why? Because you don't want to, and you'll embarrass us and you. And that's okay. But there's nobody that can greet at a door like you can. There's nobody who can watch those babies like you can. There's nobody who can wash the glass like you can. There's nobody who can mow a yard like you can't. You understand everything matters in the body of Christ. There is no, uh, the most important thing, there is no such thing as the most important thing. Everything's important in the kingdom of God. Everything is vital in the kingdom of God. And here's what we do in an apostolic spirit-filled church. Everything is undergirded by the spirit of God. And when that happens, great things can happen at the sanctuary. We believe in the spirit being allowed to move in our services. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The word comforter here is helper. It's a picture of like a legal advisor close enough to the situation to be able to give some guidance and direction on what to do. I'll take that. I don't know what to do in every situation. There are problems that come to me that I have no idea what to do, but the Bible says I can pray for wisdom. The Bible says he will lead. He's going to be our helper in those situations, and we need that. Why would you ever want to do life without him? Why would you ever want to put that on the back burner when he is available to help? So in this very church, in our lives individually, he is our helper. We want that. We want his spirit to help us. John 14, 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall 
teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Here's the thing about the spirit of God. It will help us. It will teach us. It will guide us. It will lead us. Ladies and gentlemen, I want all that. I want that to be a part of our church services. I want that to be a part of my life. That's why we're going to preach and teach the apostles' doctrine, and we're going to allow God to continually lead us into more and more truth. We embrace what they taught. We embrace the supernatural. We embrace the Spirit of God moving. We want that in every single service. We don't come here just to check off a box to say, yes, I've been to church this week. I've been a good boy. But we have come here to see what Paul said. Let's read it in 1 Corinthians 2, 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. That's what we want to happen in every one of our services. We want his spirit to be demonstrated here. We want his power to be present here. Why? Because it's going to lead people. It's going to help people. It's going to guide people. It's going to turn lives around. And so that's why we are desperate for the spirit of God to be here. And so we build him a place that he's invited to come. A throne of praise, we could say. We, we build him a place where that spirit can move. Again, we are an apostolic, spirit-filled church, and it is vitally important that we run our church services like that. Because if not, okay, then we're going to change the doctrine. Throughout the bylaws, let's start from scratch and let's do something else. I, well, I'm leaving too because I have no interest in that. I need his spirit to lead. I need his spirit to guide. I want his spirit to be prominent in this church. Which kind of leads me, I, I, these two were kind of back and forth a little bit, but let, let's go to the next value and, and let's talk some more about this and I'll try to tie these together. The next value I want to look at is we value worship and the word. In the first value, we looked at some things the apostles believed and preached and wanted to do that also, which leads us again into this idea of what does the word say? That's what we want to go back to. That's what we want to stand firm on. Again, I, I, I just, I, I've said it from the pulpit, and I truly, truly mean it, and I hope you hear my part when I say this. If I get out of the word and start preaching my own philosophies as gospel, call a meeting and vote me out. Why are you saying that? Because this church was started by believing and proclaiming the word of God. This church for decades has stood firm on the word. For years and years, people have sacrificed and given to the cause of Christ. None of us have the right to alter what this church has stood for and what our elders have sacrificed for. I have no right to preach any other doctrine. I have no right to do that. If I want to do that, go start your own church somewhere. And I don't mean to be harsh or mean, but you understand, this is an apostolic church. We believe in the word of God in this church. We believe in the moving of the spirit in this church. That's what this church has been built on. And that's what this church needs to stay. How insulting 
to some of our elders who have gone on before, who have paved the way, who started this church on Anastasia Street and have been through four building projects, given and sacrificed, and, and then we changed this church into something else. That's not what they gave for. And you can watch this happen, but ladies and gentlemen, woe be it to any of us if it ever happens to the sanctuary. This is an apostolic church. This is a spirit-filled church, and we stand firmly on the word of God. We will not have move the landmarks. We will not change the doctrine that the apostles proclaimed and that our elders proclaimed and passed down to us. And I know it's very countercultural, and it seems to be getting more and more every day. Ephesians 4.11 tells us, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Watch this verse. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That henceforth be no more, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. The spirit is going to lead us. And we need to stay unified as the Spirit leads us and helps us and guides us. 2 Thessalonians 2, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why did that happen to those people? Because they received not the love of the truth mm. that they may be saved. And then 11, and because of this, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is a very heavy verses here. This is just another reason I want the Spirit to lead and guide. I want to stand firm on His Word we, we must know the truth. The truth will set you free. Yes, we understand that. But hear me out. The Bible tells us we must have a love for the truth. Not just say, I know well, I like the culture of the, I like the apostolic worship. And I, no, we must have a love for the truth. We must know what it is and we must love the truth. I, I, I don't want to go too far in the weeds here, but revelation and deception feel a whole lot the same. Oh, God, revelation and deception feel a whole lot the same. I've been revealed this. Or have you received a strong delusion and you're deceived? If I have stubbornness and unrepented of anger that may stem from some hurt and my pride wants to prove my way or prove I'm right or show them they're wrong. Your entire motive is incorrect. I, the Bible tells us in James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. 
This is not to prove who's right or who's wrong. I don't care who's preaching in the pulpit. This is to show the love of Jesus, studying his word, letting his spirit do a work in every one of our hearts and every one of our lives. I'm gonna, I'll be the first to admit, I don't have all the answers, but he does. If I let him lead and guide me, he'll take me into truth, not into falsehood. And I've already read it, and I, I mean it again, but speaking the truth, yes, we got to speak the truth, but ladies and gentlemen, please let it be in love. Not in harshness, not in a, a motive to, I gotcha, not in just getting on there to prove your point. That, that has never won anybody. The love of Jesus is what has won. They'll know you're my disciples because why? You can get on Facebook and tear anybody up. No, because you love one another. The love of Jesus has to be just pouring out of us is what needs to happen. That's how they're going to know. We've got to be humble before him. 2 Timothy 3, powerful verses, 16, all scripture. Not a portion, not a little bit, not pick and choose what you want to preach and what you don't want to preach. All scripture, every bit of it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Wow. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. His word is what we teach because it will convict us. Yeah. Have you ever been convicted by the word? You got to line up with the word. The word's not changing for any one of us. We got to line up with the word. It's going to correct us. You ever been corrected? Oh yeah, that wasn't fun. It's going to set us straight. It's going to show us what to do. The word will do that. Is, isn't that what we want? Is our goal to be pleasing to him, to make heaven our home? Is that what we want? And why wouldn't we obey the word? Why don't we want to hear the word? Why do we want not want to know what the word says? The word is going to help us. We believe that the Bible and only the Bible is the authoritative word of God. There are books written and we have authors in here who have written books about books in the Bible. Thank God for you. They have helped. They have clarified things. Those are wonderful things, but they are not the inspired word of God. And all the authors in here would say, amen, absolutely. It's a handbook. It's to help. We believe it alone, the Word of God, is the final authority in determining our doctrinal truths. In its, in its original writing, it is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. We trust what the Bible says, and that's what we want to preach and believe. So if we truly believe the Word of God, and we value, we're saying at this church, we value the Word of God, then we need to do some things about it. First of all, I've got to accept that God's word is my highest authority. Well, brother so-and-so preaches this. All due respect to brother so-and-so, but is he the word of God? Well, I heard the preacher say this. All due respect to the preacher, but is he in the word? If he's lined up with the word, believe it. Yes, that's wonderful. Folks, we have to accept God's word as the highest authority, not my feelings, not what somebody else, not traditions, not what somebody has given to us. What does the word say? And the second thing about that is we've got to accept that. We not only can accept, we've got to receive that with an open heart. There's some, if I ask you, do you believe the word of God? Yes, yes, yes. Do you believe it's authority? Yes, yes. Do you believe it's Aaron, Aaron, it's, it's, a, it's a, come from God? Yes, yes. Do you believe it's inspired? Yes, 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 yes. Then I ask the next question, what do you do about it? 
You've got to accept it. You've got to accept that with an open heart. You've got to receive that. Let it get down in your spirit. <laughs> oh, you've all done this. I've been raised in church, so I'm used to this. But somebody preaching up at the pulpit, and you're looking around, see if so-and-so's here. Oh, you've done it. Because you just want them to hear that. We got a stinky attitude, first of all. But second of all, I wonder if I need to hear that. I'm too worried about hearing that when it's just like, no, I need to receive the word. And there have been words I've received I've not been happy with. I, I say it, I've said it probably 10 times, and I'll keep saying it when I, it was life-changing for me. The old church, Pastor Duke was up in the pulpit, and he was just how he does. Amen. Just talking to us. Power of God hit that place and changed my life. Because he said these words. He said, this wholesale repentance. Jesus, I'm sorry for everything I've done. That's fine if you don't know what you've done. But he said, you know what you've done. He said, the Bible says confess. You need to get on your face before God. And you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for those mean words I told my other brother about that other guy. Because we call that gossip. That's what you need to say to him. Rather than, Lord, just forgive me. Set a watch over my mouth. Do you understand the difference between those? And when he said that, I was not happy. Because I got corrected. I got convicted. But ladies and gentlemen, it changed my life and probably saved me in years to come. Just a simple statement from our pastor at the time. And at that time, he was saying that. It was a powerful, powerful thing that he said. So I've got to receive that. But then the third thing, I've got to respond to that. Do I accept the word of God? Yes. Do I receive the word of God? Yes. And he that looks in a mirror and just goes his way and forget what manner of man he is, what good is that? You've got to do something about it. Don't be a hearer and not a doer. This is, oh, it's just us, all right? Okay, this is what concerns me sometimes about coming, people coming all the time to an apostolic church. Because at some point we can build up defenses and we can justify ourselves because how we do certain things. And when the spirit comes in here and starts convicting, we can justify why we don't have to do that or why, and we let the conviction. And then all of a sudden our conscience is seared and we no longer know what's right or wrong. And folks, don't let that happen to you. Let the Holy Ghost come and just break your heart. Let it mold you. Let it make you. Let it shape you. Let it get way down on the inside of you and change you. Don't resist that. Let it change you. Why? Because it's for your good. Well, the Lord's going to come in here and just be mean to everybody. Well, that doesn't sound like a very good heavenly father then, does it? And he said, if you being evil know how to good gifts unto your, good gifts unto your children, how much more does your heavenly father? He is a kind heavenly father. His kindness leads to Repentance. It was my kindness that smacked Skyler's bottom and sat him on a chair and said, don't do it again. Why? How's that your kindness? Because it led him to be to, to, down a different path than he was going. 
Fine, let your kids play in the street. That's going to turn out well. You understand that. So what do we do? We correct them. Your heavenly father does not want you playing in the street. He's going to correct you. And thank God for that. I didn't like it for the moment, but thank God for those corrections. But more more than just the corrections, that I responded to that and something shifted in my heart and I became more like him in those things. Please, I beg of you as you come into an apostolic church where the Spirit of God is moving and conviction comes into this place, do not resist that. Yield to that and let him fix some great, let him fix some more things in you so that you become greater in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, it's foolishness. But to unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Romans 10 tells us, how then shall they call on him and whom they have not heard? Or have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard and how shall they hear unless somebody preaches to them 15 and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that bring that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things 16 but they have not all obeyed the gospel Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what? We don't need a whole lot of new methods to save people. Do you know what they need? They need to hear the word. That is why this church, we believe in the word of God and the preached word of God. I don't care who's preaching the word of God. Something can be learned and the word of God says it will not return void. There is something powerful about the word of God being preached. And we believe in the word of God being preached in this church. We believe in obeying and following and receiving the word of God. So we value that, but, we, but also the second part of that, we also value worship. Spoke on this on Wednesday night. Dynamic worship. Worship is more than clapping our hands. That's part of it. Worship is more than singing, lifting our voice. That's part of it. Worship is more than supporting and giving our our finances to the kingdom of God. That's part of it. But worship is living and acting and giving in a way that demonstrates that Jesus is worthy, that Jesus is the priority in my life, that Jesus supersedes everything in my life. And that's done in church, but it's done in my car, in the grocery store, at my job, in the park, wherever I go. I want him to be worshiped with everything that I do. Now, particular to church, and we say that we're an apostolic, spirit-filled church, and we believe that we're a, we want to be a worship and, and, and the word church. We want, those are things that we value here. There will be an outward expression of what he means to us. Hear me out on all this, okay? The scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The scripture says, praise him and dance and praise him on the organ and praise him on the cymbals. And then the writer just finally says, let everything that hath breath, just praise him somehow. 
This is an outward, exuberant way to show God he is worthy. If he's never done anything for you, then I guess I understand why you would do nothing and you would not praise him in any way whatsoever. However, the Bible says in him we move, we live, we have our very being. So whether we want to believe it or not, he has been very good to us and we breathe very air. We got up this morning because of him. He has been close to us and he's constantly working in our lives. He is a good God. Do you understand my job, my neighbor, my community, my friends, my family? They did not save my soul, but Jesus did. If that's all he's ever done for me, he's still worthy of a whole lot of my praise, a whole lot of my worship. But there are so many things in my life that he has done for me. I want to give him all my worship, all my praise belongs to him. So this is where we have to be careful because just because someone doesn't do it like you do, it doesn't mean they're more spiritual or less spiritual. I've said it before and I will go on record to say it again because our precious elders, you don't know their history and all the battles they fought and the, and the wounds and the scars, but they still stood up and kept on fighting. That's why when they just go, thank you, Jesus, it comes from a well so, so deep and it is powerful worship when they do that because they had a right. They could have quit any time. I'm getting my Sunday sermon. I shouldn't do that. But they should have, they could have, they had a right to be offended and given up at any time, but they didn't. And so it shows that they still have a worship down inside of them. That means so much. They're not going to run the aisles. They're not going to jump and shout any longer. Their body can't do it. But ladies and gentlemen, if our elders, and I know you do it, just simply lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Hell trembles at that. Something deep resonates from the worship that you have. During church, I want to praise him with all I have. I want to worship him for what he's worthy in accordance to how he made me, not in accordance to how you are. There's no competition. There's no, we bounce ideas off each other and this is how we ought to worship. That's not saying that. So do we sing? Yeah. Do we rejoice? Absolutely. Do we clap? Yes. Do we lift our hands? Do we jump? Do we dance? Do we play instruments? Do we shout? Do we talk to God? Yes, yes we do. Because this is a spirit-filled apostolic church that loves to worship and loves the preached word of God. And on the bottom line of all that, it's because it's all about him. We do it for his glory. We do it according to his will. We do it according to his word. And so as we end today, what a great way to end. Let's stand to our feet and let's just give him some praise here because of what he's done. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for calling us out of darkness into this marvelous light. We thank you for the word, Lord, that has passed down through generations and has got to us, Lord, by your sovereign hand that we can read and obey and trust you in every situation. We thank you, Lord, for our founders and our elders and our previous pastors, Lord, that have preached, that have fought, that have, that have carved the way that we can stand in this beautiful building, Lord, today and to worship and to magnify you. Lord, I thank you for the preached word. I thank you for all that you've given. I'm thankful for the word that's come into my life that's convicted and set me straight and has helped 
me, O oh God, to draw closer to you. I thank you and give you praise for this church, for these wonderful people, O oh God, who love you. I praise you and I give you glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. We have